0: I think when I'm conducting a piece that I've written, the composition process does not end. I feel like I'm still composing as I'm conducting. So I'm always adjusting things.
1: This is John Mirasola with Sounds of Berkeley. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Vimbai Kazaboni assistant professor of music at the Boston Conservatory at Berkeley, and conductor for several ensembles at the conservatory, including the school's contemporary music group, Contraband. Kazaboni is considered one of today's foremost interpreters of modern and contemporary music. Born in Zimbabwe, he has earned degrees from universities in the U.S. and Germany, served as a Fulbright Fellow in Uzbekistan, and led performances on four continents in some of the world's most prestigious concert halls. On October 30th, he will lead the contraband ensemble in a program titled African Voices in Contemporary Music. The concert is the first event in the conservatory's new performance collection, Center Stage, which recognizes some of the school's most innovative and adventurous music, theater, and dance productions. Vimbaye, welcome to Sounds of Berkeley. John, thank you so much. So I don't think I fully considered this before, but as a conductor, what is involved in the work of interpretation? the first thing you get is a score.
0: It's a piece of paper with with notes on it. And my job as an interpreter, which not just as a conductor, but as a musician in general, is you need to make sense of the notes. You need to uh, uh, interpret what's written into sounds. So that's my job. I spend a lot of my time just looking at scores, trying to understand what's the composer trying to say. And I'm lucky enough in that the work that I specialize in, in being a contemporary music conductor, is that the majority of the composers that um, interpreting are alive. So if there's a question that that just baffles me, I I, I have someone to access. Whereas if I was conducting Beethoven, Mozart, uh, Bach every day, uh, there, there's some issues. Then that that requires research. It re- requires uh, digging deep to try to, to, to understand what the composers might've might been trying to say. So I'm, I'm lucky enough in that in, in contemporary music, the, the process of interpretation is also one of collaboration in that uh, I do have access for the most, for the most part to the composer.
1: Hmm. Were there moments in preparing this program where you had access to the composers you're working from?
0: Yes, in fact, um, this is the composer I've not met, a composer I've only met um, uh, via email electronically uh, Ayo um, Aluranti, the Nigerian composer who, in fact, lives in Pittsburgh. So we've had a back and forth uh, about his his piece, and he 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 also was participated in the process of me curating this program. In that, he had also studied with Joshua Uzoigwe, who's another Nigerian composer who's on on the program.
1: What gets you excited about a particular piece of music? What makes you want to bring it before an audience? It's
0: to me, ultimately, when I'm looking at works to interpret, is is it? It's always what is it saying? Is it saying something new? Is it saying something that's not being said, and and this is suddenly a big a big part of my process of curating, always trying to discover new voices. And that's a, a case in point. Is is this program? Um, the majority of the composers on this program are unknown composers. And I think they're composers who have a lot to say about our art form, hence them being programmed on, the, on, this, on this concert.
1: What went into deciding what kind of uh, program to prepare? This is your first concert with Contraband. This is one of your first concerts at the Conservatory. What was important to you about the sort of music you put uh, you put forth for this one?
0: Well, a big part of my personality as an artist, as a teacher, is that I want to um really share my experiences with the the musicians that I conduct with my students and a big part of part of that is presenting my own identity my own personality and identity and this program is a, is a case in point in that a big part of what the composers are, are grappling with is identity of being an african composer being an african artist within this realm of a european tradition which is namely classical music so they essentially these composers are grappling with the issues that I grapple with in my daily life as as a conductor in African conductor, Zimbabwean conductor in, in classical music. So I thought this would be a, a, a great uh, kind of uh, jumping point for conversation, uh, for dialogue with, with my students and with the uh, wider community here.
1: It's sort of your way of saying, this is who I am, right? Nice to meet right, you all. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and that's the thing though is that it's
0: also easy, sometimes it's also easy to hide as an artist. And, but I, I don't want that. And so I, I figured the programs that, that I begin with have to just, um, I, I just put myself on the table and say, this is who I am and who are you? And, and we set a dialogue right away. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about that.
1: And I I hope a little bit later in our conversation, we'll talk a bit about your piece for this program, because I think that goes to the point of just how much of yourself you're bringing to bear on this program. I wonder if we could back up just a a bit and talk a little bit about the landscape of African classical music. Obviously, we're talking about this hugely diverse continent, uh, and you're trying to Present for a Western audience, maybe not a survey of African contemporary music, but uh, certainly a sampling of it. And so, what are the what are the common threads we can identify? Well, that's
0: that, that's just the thing. Um, there is no cohesive voice in African classical music. Um, and that's okay. That's not a bad thing. You, you, um, you don't have the examples that I can, I can give in Western in Western music. Are the minimalists, you have the minimalists, you have the spectralists, you have the second, the second Viennese school, the first Viennese school, um, um, you have the new complexity guys. You, you don't really get that in African music. However, that's not to say that there, there, there aren't some uh, tenants that these um, composers share. The mere fact that they African composers navigating in this European tradition number 1 and of course the the idea that these are composers that have to also struggle with finding a compromise between their own traditional musics and in that of classical music. So you, you find that in, in in most of this music, um, there are certain elements that are evocative of African traditional and African popular music. For example, the, the rhythmic issues, you, you get a lot of traditional African rhythms, a lot of, a lot of uh, traditional uh, African um, scales, um, yeah, a lot of traditional uh, African structures, like formal structures, improvisation, o- uh, open forms, things like that, that, that are... Um, that come from Africa. There are some, some shared values, and I think that that's kind of what puts this, this music together.
1: So the last work in this program uh, is a piece by Hamza el who gained a Western following in the 60s and 70s and influenced um, American composers like Steve Reich and Terry Riley. Are you flipping the paradigm there a little bit by identifying an African music that, that Western classical music has maybe borrowed?
0: Oh absolutely um, so there are many composers who are who were influenced in the 60s 70s by African music in general to name a few uh, Steve Reich Philip Glass T- uh, Terry Riley even in jazz Coltrane miles Davis um, um, George Ligeti. there's a lot of composers who actually took trips to Africa to going to Ghana going to to Nigeria to Ghana to learn the the, the, the to learn um. Kenyan drumming, going to Senegal to learn about their drumming, going to Zimbabwe to learn, learn about the Mbira. So... There's been, over the years, a lot of influence, particularly since the 60s um, uh, and the advent of world music. There's certainly been a lot of influence from Africa to the composers who navigate in the European tradition. Hamza al-Din just happens to be one of the most significant um, African musicians who who influenced uh, uh, these Americans and, and U- European uh, artists. Um, so it, it it seemed necessary. It seems it seemed essential for me to program his work. Also, the, uh, there is one distinction in that his aesthetic is quite different from the other four composers on the program because um, the first four composers are from sub-Saharan Africa, whereas Hamza al Din is from Egypt. He's, uh, he is of e- Egyptian and Sudanese heritage. So he's navigating almost with a Middle Eastern aesthetic or um, with, uh, with this Arabic. Um, aesthetic musical aesthetic so in 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 that way he's a very unique composer for this program
1: the other composition on this uh program that i wanted to talk to you about is your own piece uh two folk songs from zimbabwe as we spoke about earlier you're bringing a lot of yourself into this performance um and i it strikes me as a as a very um it's a very personal and a very generous piece to give to an audience. I- I'm wondering if you could tell uh tell the story of that piece. Yes, well
0: um this is a, a piece that suddenly um is about my identity. Um it speaks to my um not just my identity my personal identity, but also my musical identity. Um the piece is based on two folk songs. That, I, that kind of un- unravel in, in, in the work. Um, the first folk song is um, for my first music lesson as, as a young boy. Uh, I, I studied the mbira, which is the, the, the thumb piano, and uh, there is one one piece that every student of the mbira learns at the beginning. A piece called Karigamombe, and um, as a young boy, it's it's, it's you, you kind of struggle with this piece, and and it's a piece you never you never forget, yeah, because you, you spend months on it trying to master it before you can move on to to calling yourself mbira player, to moving on to, to other other works. Um, so it's it's uh, a piece that I spend years <laughs> just trying to master. Uh, as as a very young kid, and in so doing, I learned about discipline. I I fell in love with music, uh, and therefore, and the, the the way that that um it it kind of manifests itself in in the piece is is unique in that um, in Zimbabwe in the Mbira tradition, um, the Mbira is tuned based on uh, what region you're from? The, the, the different beers have different tunings based on the region, also, and also based on the mirror maker, beer maker you, you're using. And I happened to to move a lot when I was young, and I also uh, happened to own a few different ambiras, uh which were from different regions. So I'd play the same piece, the, the same piece of Karigamombe, which I'm trying to master. Um, and yet, it, it, uh, it, it, the intonation will always be different. It'll always be in, in different keys. So I, I, I try to kind of allude to that in, in the work, and I, I allude to kind of this, uh, allude to the kind of this tension of um, of of trying to master something, the, the, the discipline of trying to master something. You, you get a sense of that in the work. The second folk song I I allude to is one called shiriya Kanaka, which uh, is called Lovely Bird uh, in short. Um, the, the text uh, is is a rough translation is lovely bird where are you going and the bird answers i'm going to the sky to be one of the clouds uh, which is um, and i remember this because it's my eldest mus- uh, musical memory i remember my grandmother um, as a as a as a toddler would sing this song to me and um and years later i was thinking as to why she should always sing this song to me. And I'll, I'll later find out that, well, the, the, sh- the shiri, the bird, is happens to be my totem, which is a big part of... Um african identity having this african totem um and the bird is my totem I, I found out so it's it's a huge it's a huge aspect of of my my, my identity and so you have the, the the band in my work in the composition you have the band at some point singing the song which is uh, quite a beautiful and charming moment
1: so is it different conducting a piece that you've written Compared to conducting a piece that uh, someone else has written and you might have to shoot an email off to, to to get an idea of their intentions?
0: It is. It is because I think when I'm conducting a piece that I've written, the commission process does not end. I feel like I'm still composing as I'm conducting. So I'm always adjusting things. Um, this piece has had a couple of performances. It was premiered in, in Uzbekistan when I, was, when I was there for a year. Um, and... And ever since, ever since, I've been adding and, and subtracting and whenever I, I, I perform the piece, whenever I'm conducting the piece in, in rehearsal. Um, so th- I think that's, that's the biggest distinction, is that the, the music feels very personal. You, you feel very, very vulnerable because um, you're, present- you're really presenting your, your own creativity to the musicians. Uh, so the, the process of interpret- interpretation is, is one that's quite personal
1: how have uh, how have the rehearsals been going? This is a new ensemble that you're working with um, they're conservatory graduate students as I understand. Uh, how has it been working with this particular group?
0: actually we we'll begin the rehearsals next week. We've been working um, we've I've been helping coach them on a different program over the last couple of weeks um, which has been, very fun, and in so doing, I've been getting to know the musicians from from a coach's perspective. Um, so when we begin to work together as collaborators uh, next week, it's I'm I'm qu- I'm quite excited about it.
1: And what? How do your roles as a conductor and a professor overlap? Do you are they are they kind of distinct in your mind when you're conducting? Are you not also teaching? Or
0: I think they over the overlap in a very natural way. In that a a conductor is a teacher. Um, so as i'm conducting um i'm I, i'm sharing knowledge um and and the, the the positive thing in this case is that as a professor, you you have a pedagogical obligation to your students, and but as a, and, and as a conductor, you do as well. So it, it just happens quite quite naturally.
1: Um, lastly, I just I'd love to know a little bit about your own personal path to conducting. How did you wind up uh, standing in front of a room of musicians, telling them what to play and how? Well, as
0: a young boy, whenever I'd um, play music with friends I would just naturally become the leader somehow I'm not sure if it's actually my personality to be a leader but when it came to music my colleagues always just looked up to me and um I think I was always a v- very creative. I-, I love collaboration, so I-, I was always good at kind of um, facilitating the process of collaboration. Um, and that's up to now. My mantra when I conduct is that it's ultimately it's a collaboration. It's we're all equal people, and all I do is unify the voices in the room. And that's part for me. That's a. Uh, a significant part of my interpretation process in that who am I working with and what's their story? What's th- I, w- I want to give voice to everyone in the room. And so when I moved to the United States when I was about 12 or so and started, started music in a more serious way, um, um, I was told by, by my teachers that I think this this would be a very
1: uh, natural avenue for you and um, ever since I pursued it. then by Kaziboni, it's been great talking to you, and we'll look forward to your performance later this month. Thank you so much, John. Bimbayi Kazaboni will lead the center stage performance African Voices in Contemporary Music on October 30th. For more information on this and other events in the Center Stage Performance Collection, visit bostonconservatory.berkeley.edu. This episode was engineered by Zan Hanna at the Berkeley Internet Radio Network studios and edited by Darcy Davis. I'm John Mirasola. This is Sounds of Berkeley.